Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. (laughs) Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was, like, wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. Like you were real different. Bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout season two, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com ES Audio From the Evening Standard in London, I'm John Weeks, and this is The Leader. It's finally happened. The bird is freed, as Elon Musk put it, confirming on the platform that his Twitter takeover is complete. And it looks like he's been busy since it went through, reportedly firing several top executives, including the CEO, Parag Agrawal. So, what are Elon's plans for Twitter now? It's not known exactly what he's planning, but in a tweet aimed at advertisers, he said he bought the social site to try to help humanity because the platform is important to the future of civilization. He also warns that there's a great danger that social media will split into far right-wing and far left-wing echo chambers that divide our society. And before the takeover, he also alluded to the prospect of making Twitter an everything app called X, comparing it with WeChat in China, which is used for messaging, calls, gaming and payments. But what exactly will come next for the platform? And will it be welcomed by the hundreds of millions of users around the world? Joining me now is the Evening Standards tech reporter, Simon Hunt. So, Simon, the sink is in the HQ and the takeover is complete. What is Elon planning for Twitter? Well, yeah, of course you're right. And he famously filmed himself yesterday arriving at Twitter HQ, carrying a physical sink to the office with the caption, let that sink in. Uh, I mean, I'm a fan of puns, even I wouldn't take that that far, but there we go. Um, What's he got planned? Probably quite a few different things which have sort of changed over time. I mean, when he first spoke about taking over Twitter, he was talking about how he wanted it to be a more open place where there were less limits on free speech that had been imposed by the existing management. And when it came to him actually taking it on sort of formally this week or or in recent weeks, he's he started to talk about how he wants to build an everything app, this sort of idea that an app that can 
is not just there for communications, but maybe can allow you to book a taxi or book a hotel or buy something online. So as this month-long saga of the Twitter takeover has progressed, his ambitions for it seems to, to grow more and more every day. And it's been a busy start for him with these reported sackings of the main executives there, including CEO Parag Agrawal. What do you make of that decision to sack those top execs? I think that shouldn't really come as a huge surprise, not least because we've heard lots of things about Elon Musk complaining about Parag in the last few months, complaining also to the founder of Twitter about about the way he's managing the company. And also, of course, they've been embroiled in a quite intense legal battle for the last few weeks, where it has pretty much been Parag versus Elon. And so I couldn't have seen how they could have carried on jointly managing Twitter given all of all of that. We know Elon's sort of focused a lot on free speech, as you mentioned, and he's called Twitter, you know, a digital town square. He's sort of talked about wanting to make it a place where different beliefs can be debated in a healthy manner, is what he called it. How do you think he'll go about making that happen? I think that's going to be very difficult for him. I think he's going to receive quite a lot of pushback, both from a lot of the staff who are a bit concerned about that and also potentially regulatory pressure in terms of getting rid of things which incite violence and things like that. But I mean, also probably from a lot of the users who will themselves be concerned about that. There's one thing which is potentially allowing someone like Donald Trump to come back onto the platform and, you know, that will get a lot of headlines, but I suspect a lot of people aren't that bothered about that. The thing they might be more bothered about is allowing, dare I say, people who are a bit like Donald Trump, that is, people who have been banned from the platform for saying something that's hateful or inciting violence. And, you know, if you're someone who has reported someone who is bullying you online on the platform and now you're worried that they might come back, you're both concerned that they'll be back on that platform. But B, you'll also be worried that they'll know you're the person who got them banned and maybe they'll want to exact their revenge. So he's going to face a lot of hurdles. That's it. And you sort of mentioned the users there. I mean, do you think some users will be put off Twitter just because of the fact that it's now owned by Elon? To be honest, I doubt it. Unless he makes radical changes to Twitter, if if Twitter carries on being Twitter, the people such as me who are addicted to it and go on it every day aren't going to change, to be honest. Where he might have some difficulty is, as I say, the people who have experienced or who have had bad experiences on the platform who are now concerned that they might recur. But that might be offset by the sort of people who have been pushed off the site over concerns about free speech, who have ended up on apps like Parler because they want more free speech. And we might see a return from those people. And I don't know if you've seen his tweets aimed at Twitter advertisers, he said, and he he describes buying Twitter to help humanity, but also has a lot about advertising and making sure it's sort of tailored to people rather than being low relevancy. What do you make of that element of it? Because he sort of said he hasn't bought it to make money. He's bought it for humanity. But at the same time, he's speaking to advertisers directly like that. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's probably quite an honest reflection in the sense that it's pretty obvious based on the high price that he paid that this isn't going to be something that makes him even wealthier, frankly. But at the same time, as far as ad revenues is concerned, Twitter hasn't performed well compared with Meta and Snapchat and TikTok. And so... As far as he's concerned, there's a lot of untapped potential there to better use the the data that Twitter holds to better tailor advertising. Now, of course, Meta uh, has come under fire for the way it uses data. And so there might be some pushback on that. But 
it's it's not inconceivable that he could actually improve Twitter revenues through this sort of more targeted data policies in advertising. You said to yourself that you're a bit of a Twitter addict. What would you like to see from Elon in terms of changes on, on the site? I'd say one thing I wouldn't want to see, which he said he does want to introduce, is an edit button, because I, I do wonder where that's going to take us. You know, if you like a comment, you know, one day and then someone's inserted a not midway through the sentence the next day and you're, you know, it still shows that you've liked it, that completely changes your position with respect to it. So I'm very skeptical about that, but maybe that's just me. I think there's a lot more you can do from Twitter as far as things like video sharing is concerned. I mean, of course, they dabbled with a sort of story sharing thing, which didn't work very well. But there's, I mean, there's scope to bring that back in some kind of more effective way, I think. And as for Elon Musk's plan for an everything app, I think that does have legs. I mean, of course, Facebook has sort of done that to quite a degree already. You know, there's Facebook Marketplace where people can post stuff and buy and sell you know, stuff they've got at home. It's not inconceivable that Twitter could start to do something like that. Whether it can be an everything app, though, and start to do everything from you know, hotel bookings to booking a taxi and all the rest of it, I'm not so sure. Let's take a break now. In part two, Dr. Robert Smith, an expert in AI from University College London, says Elon's got his work cut out to make the platform fair. That's sort of like saying everybody has the same freedom of speech from the guy who can put up a giant billboard on the side of the Empire State Building to the guy who can tack little posters on uh, telephone poles along the highway. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joining me now is Dr. Robert Elliott Smith, Director of AI and Data Science at Digital Catapult and a Senior Research Fellow in Computer Science at University College London. So, Robert, first of all, what did you make of Elon's takeover of Twitter? Well, it's concerning. Uh, I've written extensively about the fact that uh, social media has certain intrinsic dynamics that causes polarization. That it's a naturally polarizing media uh, and that essentially so-called free speech inside social media does not lead to equality of expression. It, it leads to polarization of expression for subcommunities. And because unless great care is taken, regulatory care is taken with social media, it will only aggravate the already polarized world we live in. And I'm afraid that Mr. Musk may take a commercial slash free speech approach that will make things worse. However, there, there is potential hope as well. I don't know if you've seen his tweet. He sort of aimed a tweet to advertisers on Twitter, but at the same time said that 
there's a danger that social media will split into far right and far left echo chambers. Ultimately, it's algorithms that decide what we see, isn't it? I mean, has he got his work cut out to achieve what he wants to do? Well, it is possible. But what our research has shown with students I've at UCL I've worked with is effectively that there is this natural tendency with the way that social media works. Effectively, it's a series of pipes that join up people who who kind of know each other and shouting through those pipes turns out to basically lead to pipes clogging that connect different kinds of people and pipes opening up and accelerating the propagation of information between people who like things in common. And the algorithm just makes that worse. The algorithm usually for commercial ends is trying to divide people demographically and therefore uh, trying to deliver messages along demographic lines. And that leads to aggravated echo chambers and, and filter bubbles and that kind of thing. Is it possible to reverse it? Uh, yes, it is possible. But the way to do that is to, is to make the algorithm effectively promote diverse social discourse. You have to go in and actually do that. It can be a, a somewhat anti-commercial aim to do that. And it can be something that might not occur to people who don't have in mind the idea of effective discourse in social media is not necessarily just letting everybody have the same access. It doesn't work that way. You know, that's sort of like saying everybody has the same freedom of speech from the guy who can put up a giant billboard on the side of the Empire State Building to the guy who can tack little posters on uh, telephone poles along the highway that they, they can both speak freely. So they both have the same kind of power. That's not true. And, and on social media, the algorithm makes some people the guy with the billboard and some people into the guy with the posters. And, and so there's really, even though there's freedom of speech, there's not a quality of effect. You mentioned that this sort of commercial element to his takeover and that's something else he's sort of spoken about, about making advertising on the platform as relevant as possible to users' needs. And he actually described low relevancy ads as spam. What do you make of that? And does that allude to even stronger tools for gathering data on users? Well, I would think that it would. And, and, and the thing is, is uh, if you think about advertising, what it wants to do is places into categories that can be addressed by more uh, personalized, in quotes, ads, which are usually more targeted is a better word. And that commercial aim for the algorithm runs somewhat counter to the idea that everybody should hear differing points of view. Everybody should be treated as if they want to absorb things that are diverse relative to their own opinions as opposed to focused and targeted on their own opinions. So there's two very different goals there. And unless you manage them very carefully, uh, not only do you end up with social media that polarizes, you end up with social media that can be used by those who like polarization to good effect, which is, I think, what we've seen in the past with uh, manipulation of, of social media, say, in the 2016 elections and that kind of thing. Another issue Elon's spoken very publicly about is trying to tackle the number of bots on the site. Um, what do you make of that whole issue? And is it possible to, to cut them down drastically? It's probably possible. And I do think, you know, reducing the number of bots is a good thing. This is something that Elon wants to do that is good because the thing about bots, including Twitter's own algorithm, by the way, 
is that they have a fairly simple-minded understanding of human interaction and of, of speech and of, of uh, writing. And, and therefore, these polarizing effects get driven down simple-minded avenues and by bots. They, bots aggravate the polarization problem. So getting rid of bots, A, is it possible? Yeah, might require some real effort and labor. It might not be all possible through mechanism. It may require some human activity as well. And will it be cheap? No, it won't be cheap to get rid of bots on Twitter. It will cost some real money. But if he's if he's committed to that, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I understand there's a lot of discussion around the use of AI and making it ethical, which is largely what your book, Rage Inside the Machine, is about. How big an issue is it when it's used on social media? It's a huge issue. It is, in my mind, it is a big part of the reason that social media has led to the dysfunctional political world we see around us today. All media has intrinsic dynamics. There are socio-technical phenomena. For instance, bandwagoning on traditional media, people tend to listen to the same radio station over and over again. You try to serve ads to those people who listen to that kind of radio station, and then eventually what happens socially is that they begin to be used politically, and that's what led to the Fairness Doctrine back in the 1940s is effectively uh, media radio became uh, politically exploited and and had to be controlled so that it it delivered fair messages. Well, we're there again. Everything old is new again, except now it's algorithms. The algorithms themselves are driving this uh, polarization in social media, and and they have a simple-minded understanding of us and what we want and what we say. And that makes the problem worse. And I like to think that we're in the age now where because everybody sees the effects of algorithms in their day-to-day lives. For instance, everybody gets Netflix recommendations. People can see what they're good at and what they're bad at. I mean, Netflix recommendations aren't terrible, but they're not terribly profound either. And a lot of times they, they treat you in a way that's sort of dumb. You know, everybody knows I like superhero movies. It gives me too many superhero movies. It doesn't understand the difference between a good one and a bad one in a, in a subtle human way. The same thing's going on in social media is it doesn't understand your speech or the opinions you want to hear. It understands it's very simple-minded things about it. And, and I think we stand at the precipice of a better era when people realize what machines are good at and what people are intrinsically good at and start telling the difference. And um, if that happens in social media and we basically don't rely so much on these simple-minded algorithms, then we will get a better social discourse. But it, it's a revolution and, and simple dedication to market dynamics and freedom of speech, you know, truisms, that's not going to do it. That's not going to solve the problem. And something else Elon himself has talked about doing with Twitter is making it into this everything app, which will include things like the ability to pay for things, book hotels, play games. What potential issues for him, but also users could arise from that? Well, all of those activities will be data gathering activities for one thing. I mean, you know, uh, and as is true of most things on the internet is, is, you know, every startup now that comes up with the internet basically has to think, how might I use the data that I can gather? That's, you know, something that every startup will consider. And ethical startups will say, well, I'll only use it in ways that users allow me to. And unethical startups will basically say, well, I'll use it in ways the user never anticipated and never asked them. And the thing is, yeah, we could have an everything app that does 
everything. First of all, uh, you know, hasn't Facebook been trying to do that for a very long time and failing? Uh, it doesn't seem to work very well to get that going. So, yeah, I don't really believe in it. Second thing is it really is a data gathering opportunity. And, and without without appropriate restraint in terms of exploiting people, uh, it could be a very bad thing for society in general. There's more news, interviews and analysis in the Evening Standard newspaper and at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. Thanks for listening. We're back on Monday afternoon at four o'clock. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.